0: Over time, through a lot of hardships and bad decisions and things, I finally did end up turning back to God. And um, it was really like 18 years later. I kind of say my faith journey took 18 years.
1: Welcome to Behind My Journey, a podcast that is for our community. In today's episode, I sit down with Jonathan Carter. After years of guiding his own life and feeling like he was on the wrong path, A revelation from God pointed him in the right direction. Welcome to this episode of the Behind My Journey podcast. My name is Quinn Eaton, and sitting with me today is Jonathan Carter. Jonathan, how are you doing today? Good. Appreciate you sitting down and being willing to share your story. Uh, Before we got started, you let me know that you've been attending Journey Church since Mm -hmm. 2018-2019. That's an interesting time to come into the church of course with covid uh mm-hmm. happening in in early 2020 just you know talking about finding a church like I'm, I'm assuming that that was like whenever you guys first found journey church correct
0: uh mostly, mostly. i had visited once before probably a year previously okay and um it was actually so different than what we were used to. We were like, okay, well, that's not for us. Yeah. But then (laughs) somehow God brought us back a Mm -hmm. year later.
1: And just kind of looking at it from the perspective of like, oh, wow, that's an interesting time to try to start meshing into a church, considering that for months on end, journey started to just go virtual because of COVID. How was that uh, kind of, how, how did it feel finding that church? You're like, okay, you know what? We actually really like this. And then having to go through that as a, as sort of a newish church member,
0: I don't know that it was too drastically hard because we had gotten connected and we were volunteering mm-hmm. as a family like shortly before all that happened. Gotcha. If we had not had those connections, it may have been harder to mm-hmm. like feel that responsibility of okay, I need to stick with this, you know.
1: And it's it doesn't seem like it was that long ago uh, that all of that happened. But now we're we're what, almost three years removed Mm -hmm. from it. So time flies, Uh, but we're not talking about time or anything like that. We're talking about your story today. I apologize for getting off track. I was just kind of interested in in that question. Uh, You are a small group leader for a Wednesday night thing called Inside Out. Is that Mm -hmm. correct? Yep. Can you talk to the people that are listening to this kind of if they don't know what that is, how would you describe it? What's the elevator pitch?
0: Well, Inside Out is the high school group. Okay. Um, they meet on Wednesdays. They come in, all of them together, and usually Jared will lead, you know, an opening thing. Mm. He might have a game and stuff, and then he kind of really builds, usually on Sunday's message, and then we break the kids up by grades. Okay. And so... I specifically work with the ninth grade boys.
1: Awesome. And then you also told me that you volunteer second service, which that's what I am. I don't Mm -hmm. know if you're like me. I like to sleep in and then still, of course, come in to volunteer. Uh, You're with 252. Mm -hmm. um, And then is is that specifically like 252? Like what what kind of roles do you
0: have? So I actually just sit with one student in 252 Mm -hmm. who um, I guess has some special needs and uh, he needs a little attention and focus just for him. So, um, I just, I really just sit with him and I'm there for whatever he mm-hmm. needs as the program is happening. And that's a,
1: that's a great thing that you're doing, uh, helping out. And it's also great to know that Journey Church has some of those resources that can help, mm-hmm. uh, with people first with special needs. So, uh, you're clearly involved in the church. Uh, you have a lot of different hats that you're wearing. Um, We might get into some different uh, things as far as specifics with what you do at Journey Church. But this is the Behind My Journey podcast, which means we have to go all the way back and start with your faith journey from the very beginning. So first question for you, Jonathan, can you explain when and how you placed your faith in Jesus as your Savior?
0: I can, but (laughs) it was a very long process. Okay. So... um, I'm going to hit some of the highlights. Sure. Um, I grew up in church and the idea of salvation was always important in our home. Mm -hmm. Um, so when I was seven years old, I knew that salvation was something I wanted and I knew that Christ died as payment for my sin and that he was the path to heaven. Um, also I have a twin brother and he had recently been saved. Okay. So I just kind of followed suit. That was the thing that we do. Mm -hmm. Um, I continued staying in church. I volunteered in ministry, um, went on mission trips. And so it was always a part of my life growing up. But then once I hit adulthood and I was allowed to, like, make my own decisions, it became – it was way too easy for me to just turn away from all of that. Sure, um, And I guess over time uh, through – a lot of hardships and bad decisions and things, I finally did end up turning back to God. And um, it was really like 18 years later from that time. It was in 2010. Mm -hmm. So um, I kind of say my faith journey took 18 years um, before it was really completed. And what I really realized was I had never taken, even though I believed everything, I never took the step to fully understand it and fully um, commit my life to making Jesus Christ the Lord. Right. You know?
1: And I think whenever you were saying, like, you kind of you kind of just followed suit with uh, what your t- twin brother did, mm-hmm. and then once you got some freedom, it was kind of, it wasn't, the foundation was still there, but maybe it wasn't as strong as it was whenever it first started. And I think that happens with a lot of people whenever they do, just they have more options than they did at, at one point. Mm-hmm. And so... I guess k- bouncing off of that, what do you what would you say your life was like before the transformation? Because it, I know that you kind of followed suit once you made the decision, but I'm sure there were some things that were happening in your life that kind of led you or right. encouraged you to do that.
0: So we'll say through the transformation. Through the transformation. Um, because it, I feel like I started at seven mm-hmm. and I ended 18 years later. Yeah. But um, for quite some time, I lived completely for me. For several years and it's not one of those stories where I had everything I wanted and I was um, you know living the high life but it was still just as selfish and prideful mm-hmm. um, I got married very young and quickly had two kids and two stepkids, and my wife and I early on made an unconscious decision that it was more important to have fun than it was to make the responsible decisions we should be making as an adult so um, We, our lifestyle quickly changed to a kind of fight to survive lifestyle, but really unnecessarily. Um, We bounced between friends and family's houses. We, in our first year of marriage, we had moved probably three times because we'd been evicted. Mm -hmm. Um, I went from job to job, when I worked at all, um, and the idea of finances and a budget just wasn't even on our radar. At all. Um, I can say that growing up, that wasn't something we talked about in our home. It just wasn't. Um, But really, it just came down to selfish desires. There were things... We had money, but we didn't see the value and importance of making the right decisions. Mm -hmm. Um, We spent on what we wanted, when we wanted. And then when it came time to pay bills, there was nothing left. So. We'd been evicted multiple times, and eventually we ended up going, you know, kind of couch surfing. Um, And at the time, I didn't really see that as homelessness. It was just a bad situation we were in. Or in between, yeah, in between Um, one place and the next, yeah. So, but there came a point, and I'll never forget, the first night that it hit me that I was homeless, I was sleeping in the back of my van for the first time. Mm -hmm. Um, And... I remember laying there and thinking, like, how did it get to this? You know, what have I done wrong? Um, I really wish that the story, like, kind of stopped right there. And it was like, at that moment, I turned my life around. Yeah,
1: the the (laughs) typical movie cliche. Yeah. yeah.
0: There was recognition on my part, Mm -hmm. but we were kind of, like, I kind of describe it as we were so far in a hole, and it was so overwhelming to try to get out of it. We just didn't even try, sure. you know. So from that point on, we actually lived like in kind of extreme homelessness. Um, we would live in our van, uh, and we would find places to park. That very first night. And this too, is
1: with you and your wife and uh,
0: me, and my wife, and at when it first started, we had I had one stepkid, and we had one baby. Okay, gotcha. Um, but the very first night that I slept in my van I parked in the church parking lot I grew up in Mm -hmm. and as I've thought back on that I'm like there's got to be more to that I don't think I realized at the time why I was there (laughs) you know some sort of connection um, that that
1: I think with hindsight you've you've found right
0: why you were there uh, yeah that makes sense um, but ultimately we went several years either living out of our van or we would occasionally like stay in extended stays or hotel rooms because it We felt like we could never get ahead, but we never really tried to get ahead either. You know, it was just, this is just how life is, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, So, we ended up, I mean, there were bouts of theft and stealing to survive, Mm -hmm. um, which turned into stealing sometimes for things that you want, like once you realize it's easy, you know, and you can get away with it, but um, ultimately, all of those decisions led to the destruction of our marriage and just our family unit Mm -hmm. that we had. There's just
1: so much added pressure Um, whenever, whenever things like that happen. So, and, and I think it's interesting, like you said that you ended up parking in the church parking lot. Were there any other moments in your life where maybe now looking back, you were like, okay, that was God trying to kind of push me towards the right direction.
0: Uh, I think there were times, one of the biggest things that at least started to change was shortly after that. And the reason I found myself in that situation is because I'd kind of burned all my bridges, so to speak. Mm -hmm. I'd borrowed money from everybody I could borrow money from. We'd stayed with everybody we could stay with. And it got to the point where it was, in my mind, I was like, well, now nobody wants to help me. Why aren't they helping me? But really, looking back, they just, they were done. They, mm-hmm. This is it. And if that hadn't happened, I don't know that there would have ever been any additional growth. Yeah. You know, and it still took time after that. But through that process, and yeah, I was angry at the time, but now I'm so thankful that people finally went. You're going to have to figure this one out on your own. You know,
1: it's tough to do whenever, whenever a loved one comes up, comes to you and asks for help, or mm-hmm. a good friend asks for help. Uh, sometimes the best thing you can do is to not help them, right? right? And that's a tough part. That's a tough circumstance to be in if you're the person asking for it. But like you've kind of mentioned, at one point you realized that by not helping, mm-hmm. that was the best thing they could have done for you. Right. And it's really interesting to to kind of hear this background. And, of course, you said that. It would have been, uh, you know, the, the whole rosy Hollywood story would have been once you were in that thing and in the position in the back of your van, then you made the decision and you were uh, living for God and you were on fire for God from, from there on. But if that's not the point where there was kind of a revelation, mm-hmm. when would you say you had that revelation of, I need to start living for God because I know that he can, he can guide me and put me on the right path?
0: So it was really after my wife and I fully separated um, and I ended up with full custody of our two kids mm-hmm. um, who were two and three at the time. Um, so even though as a parent, you would think, well, as soon as you have kids, that's a, the weight of that responsibility didn't hit me until I was alone with yeah. that responsibility. So I quickly first actually turned to my family um, Mm -hmm. because I hadn't been around them much for the previous several years. And so I kind of ran back to them for that comfort. And through that and kind of their guidance and leadership, I ended up back in church. And um, ultimately, it was June 2010. I'll never forget. I was driving home from work one day, and it just like it was late at night and everything just kind of clicked in a moment. Mm -hmm. And for me, this is, to me, it's my movie moment. Yeah. But um, How Great Is Our God was playing on the radio, and um, I was really, like, I was in tears and just thinking, like, you know, God really is great, and he loves me, but all these things I've done to him, how can he still accept me back, you know? And, like, as soon as I had that thought, this huge meteor, like, went across the sky, like, big flames across the road right in front of me, you know, and it was just, like, to me, it was almost like a sign of, you know, as great as he is, and, like, as giant as this universe is, he still cares for me, Yeah. Um, and so I ended up getting home. I remember I called my brother, and I was, like, hey, I'm going to be pulling in the driveway, and I need you out here. You know, I need some mm-hmm. advice. And he came out, and I was like, I don't know what's going on with me. I can't stop crying. And he was like, d- d- what do you need? What do? You-? And I was like, never mind. I know what I need to do, <laughs> you yeah. know. And it was, I ended up, like, face down in the dirt outside just in a moment of, like, humility, you know. And that was the moment that it was, from that point on, I really surrendered my life and it was I need God, I need you to take control. Yeah. Instead of me. And so.
1: that's that's a and that's so powerful, uh, that, that that moment of revelation that you have. And it's a pretty clear sign, it seems like, from God to, you know, mm-hmm. of course give you a couple of things like, Hey, if this song on the radio that's playing at the right time that you need to hear it isn't enough, here's a big meteor right yeah. in front of you that that should kind of point out, Hey, I'm right here and I have power to do things for you. Uh, and, and I think that whenever you, that's such a hard thing to do. Like, it's easier said than done to all of a sudden say, I'm not in control, God. You're in control. Mm-hmm. You make that decision. You maybe you, you pray that or you say that out loud or it's an inner monologue within your within your head. What changes after that? Is that is that a moment where you're like, OK, after that, after that night, everything changed or is it?
0: Yeah. No, everything changed Internally, yeah, you know, I still had five and six years of bad decisions that mm-hmm. I had to deal with the consequences for. Sure, um, I, I, the difference at that moment was I had hope for yeah. a better future and a piece of knowing, you know, yes, I made these decisions, but I've got God and we're gonna get through this, mm-hmm. you know, and so it was still a long process coming out of that and, you know, having to find the people to teach me how to budget, mm-hmm. how to, the decisions that I need to be making to take care of my family, you know. Um, and really a lot of that was through the church we were going through going to at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, finding those people there instead of trying to do it on my own and just yeah. saying, I've messed up, I need some advice, you know.
1: And once you... I guess in a metaphorical sense, get your head above water. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does life look like now? Or I guess, I know you said that you still had a couple, five, mm-hmm. six years of, of dealing with the consequences, but once you get past that, and of course the life that you're living now, what does that look like? And how does it feel to have come through on the other side?
0: So I guess just, just having a mindset change was like a game changer for everything because then I was no longer bouncing from job to job Mm -hmm. and not to say that I've had the same job since 2010 you know like I made a career change five years ago but it was like with guidance through guidance and Mm -hmm. prayer you know yeah um but I feel like that same thing is kind of how I've approached a lot in life so I kind of adopted a key verse like as our family motto Mm -hmm. and it's Proverbs 3 6 um In all your ways, uh, submit to him and he will direct your paths, you know. And I go back to, in its simplest form, it's like the WWJD bracelets we wore back in the 90s. (laughs) I mean, people still wear today, you know. But it's just, take in everything we do, going, how would Jesus have handled this situation? Or what is he guiding me to do? And really just looking for his direction Mm and everything. Um, Because now, like... I'm secure and satisfied in life, Yeah, which is something I never had before.
1: A, a stability, maybe right. even, would mm-hmm. be a good word. And in order to reach that that point, that feeling of stability, clearly there were some key people in your life that maybe came in at the right time or were going to the church that you were attending at the right time. Who would you say are some of those, those key figures that influenced your faith journey?
0: So there were people kind of in and out at different moments and it was like, God always put the person I needed for what I was going through at that time. But I'd say some key people that he had with me for a long time, one, my twin brother, Mm -hmm. Nathan. Um, I mean, we've got a relationship kind of different from, I think even most siblings. Mm -hmm. it's just that twin bond, you know, like we grew up together, we shared a room together. And so, even after I had kind of like abandoned my family, he's kind of like the one that I would go back to as like, Mm -hmm. okay, that's kind of my home base, you know? So, um, but not only him, and then my grandmother. um, She helped raise my kids when, after my wife and I separated. um, We lived with her for several years as I was You know, working and getting back on my feet, you know, and Mm -hmm. so she was really kind of that rock for them too. So, and then I guess I didn't tell this in the story, but we're not actually from here. Right. Um, I grew up in Chattanooga, and this whole story takes place in Chattanooga Mm -hmm. up until um, 2017. We moved to Murray, Kentucky, and my family has ties here. My mom had moved back here after I was an adult. So, that's what brought us here. So then once we moved here, um, my mom has been a big part in just kind of like guiding me and, Mm -hmm. you know, well, that's awesome.
1: And of course, maybe, um, whenever you come to journey church, there are some people, I mean, I was recommended to reach out to you (laughs) about your story. So I'm assuming that you've probably talked to Matt Mm -hmm. or Jared or.
0: Yeah. So I've spent a lot of time with Jared over Mm -hmm. the last few years, uh, essentially, I mean, a lot of the areas I've volunteered have kind of started with him, you know, so he's just kind of like a, the connection to journey that Mm -hmm. was there from the beginning for me. Um, and then one of the things that really drew me to journey initially was as I was growing in my relationship with God over the last 12 years, I really felt a call toward, um, community missions yeah. is kind of what I've called it like you know just really a focus on the community and after we moved here it the more I learned about journey I was like oh that's exactly what they're all about mm-hmm. you know so um even though journey was different than what we were used to and like the first time I came it kind of scared me <laughs> you know so um over time it was that was so important to me that the rest of it didn't matter and so now like I really feel very connected here mm-hmm. and I mean I couldn't imagine not being here so
1: and then of course sharing your story through this podcast is going to allow a lot of the people within the church to hear it and and help them and and maybe even get to know a little bit more about you and so for those people that are listening let's say that maybe they're considering you know taking some action maybe it's, uh, finally making a decision to kind of like, Hey, I'm, you know what, I'm not going to go down the wrong path from now on, or it's getting involved in volunteering or community missions, whatever it is. What would you kind of, kind of, uh, calculate your message to be to them? What would you say? Uh,
0: I guess through everything that I've gone through, um, even in the times that I was completely alone and not seeking guidance from anywhere, I can look back and say I wish I had. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards, I'm glad that I did. So one thing that I think Journey does really well is supports the organizations in our community that are there for you. So um, if you're dealing with homelessness, there are organizations here that I wish I'd had available to me fifteen, twenty years ago, mm-hmm. um, and Journey supports those. So, I think if you don't know where to go, the church is a good place to start, because they have connections. You know, so even if what you need isn't something you can get right here in this building, they're going to direct you to the places. You know, and so that can.
1: yeah, being willing to be transparent mm-hmm. and asking for help right. is something that that could change someone's life. So, Jonathan, this has been a very good conversation with you. Uh, it's been great to get to know a little bit more about you. Thank you so much for being willing to share your story and joining the Behind My Journey podcast.
0: Well, thank you for asking me.
1: <laughs> thank you for listening to this episode of Behind My Journey. If you or anyone that you know would like to have your journey featured on this podcast, send us an email at podcast@journeycalloway.com. At Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. And if this message spoke to you, please help us spread the word and share it with others. Until next time, my name is Quinn Eaton, and this has been Behind My Journey.